Good evening to all spectators who are listening to this podcast. This is Raman Gogia and I am the host for the podcast Humankind's Prophecy and this is the fourth episode. Now in the previous episode that was very very intuitive. We tried to map out the distances, the glorious distances of the stars that where are we located? What is that ascension that uh, humans are living in? And that why uh, why is uh, the planet so far? Why are the, the stars so far? Which is that habitable zone that we are looking for? Well, basically, I was just uh, talking about distances, great glorious distances where we are, and some basic theories and uh, some and a bit of a history of astronomy. So I was go- uh, talking about uh, astronomical distances and astronomy. So now we are going to get deep into an- another very great topic that I'm going to discuss today. So enough with uh, the brief of the previous episode. I'm going to begin the first or the fourth episode. This is a very, very interesting episode. For this is what uh, we have all been waiting for. Now I'm going to talk about something that none of us expected of. Out of the blue, an, an extremely unknown pandemic. It was a virus that, uh, that took an outbreak in, a, a very pop, in an extremely populated nation. And I'm going to talk about, of course, the coronavirus, COVID-19, under various pseudonyms we call it the COVID-19 coronavirus, but then these are the two names that we just call it with. So the name of my podcast is Demystifying the Deadly Coronavirus, and it's going to be very interesting. We're going to understand the genesis of this podcast, that from where did the podcast come, and that how, that how did people start bringing the awareness and how and is there any cure for the coronavirus and from where to where did it spread and now what is its impact so of course the coronavirus as we know it it's our the, its genesis it's the roots of coronavirus were found in china now how china in the province of wuhan there was a big seafood market where there was uh, where there was a lot of meat Sold. Now, if uh, you look at the uh, photos of the Wuhan supermarket, you will find out that they are quite nasty. They are quite disgusting and disturbing I- images. Why? Because they sell all types of meat there. And uh, we don't like to see raw meat in front of our eyes of decent animals. So you can understand that it might look a bit barbaric, but, but then whatever many people eat on their dinner plate, they are all that. I mean, they sell fishes, salmon, anchovies, they can sell um, beef, they can sell mutton, or oh, there are many intricacies of meat sold there. So, uh, so possibly in the, so in the 2020, of course, what happened was, out of the blue, there was an anomaly, there was a flu that was detected over there. So a health, a health inspector visited the uh, Wuhan supermarket and he found that flu. Now, unknown, unbeknownst to him, he did not know what was it, but then... One of the people was inflicted with it and then how the, they, would ch- they checked that what type of flu is it. Until they discovered that it was an unknown flu, they immediately quarantined the person. First they gave him oxygen and how that covered him and made sure that there was no contact. So they of course, they uh, kept a distance with him and tried to understand that w- what was the person feeling. So he felt shortness of breath. Now of course when you understand the symptoms of a particular virus or disease, you will be able to understand what part does it explain. Uh, uh, that does it affect? Does it affect the cardiac? Now the systems that can, of course, not affect will be possibly the cardiovascular system or the digestive system. It can affect the digestive system if it's a if it's a particular virus mixed with food. But that's but none of those viruses have ever taken place. 
So of course, he told that he had shortness of breath. He told that he has a lot of cold and cough. And this represents that the virus is completely respiratory. That means it affects the respiratory uh, respiratory tract. That means it will have it will lead to the problems of the breath. So of course, the first person who was infected with coronavirus, he died. But then coronavirus has something good. It uh, whenever it affects someone, it can be uh, eradicated easily. But then if it's not eradicated, it will be very strong. COVID, co- coronavirus when it enters someone's body. It can be eradicated. So if you wash your hands properly and very, and if you regularly wash your hands, you will have very less chances of of having a corona anomaly or uh, or having a positive case for corona. So of course we all are, are we all are aware of the fact that it was Wuhan that was the, that uh, gave birth to the coronavirus, and after that was detected, people were in complete we, uh, uh, the Chinese. Government was in great peril. They actually wanted to keep this confidential, but understanding that this COVID that this virus can be nothing but a plague to the their own nation, they wanted to bring awareness, and so they tried to spend a lot of funds in social distancing, and uh, actually they spent many funds in. They did not know if, it, uh, if what type of virus was it, so they provided with lots of medication to people. They started providing them with vaccines, but unbeknownst to them. COVID-19 is a rat that does not require vaccines to be killed. It's, if you are just aware, then you can save your life. You do not need some uh, vaccines or something to protect yourself. But they did not know. So along with vaccines, they started providing masks and, uh, and of the sanitation, sanitizers as well. So of course, so, uh, but, then, who, uh, but then how could they keep something so confidential? When they understood the real side of COVID-19, the government of force could not could no hide it. And even if they uh, could try to hide it, even if they did not uh, report it to other governments of the UN, the UN would easily know. If uh, China started taking more risks on sanitation, the government could not give uh, any false or a hoax uh, or a due reason concerning it. So of course, with sanitation, when the UN asked, they told the truth. There was a peculiar virus that was detected. With this, the entire world was given awareness and then tender has the death toll increased in particular nations. So of course, by knowing this, everyone started wearing masks and sanitation was increased by a rate of 10%. And due to this, the first thing people tried to do was to, uh, of course, the first thing people started to do was they started to purchase a lot of food items and necessities from shops and shop and malls. But why was that? The reason being, of course, people thought that there, would, there might be a lockdown. That, that, that might, they might shut down all shops or malls and then after they wouldn't receive food. Well, if you have not experienced such a virus and if no person has ever experienced such a lethal virus, then of course, of course you would be naive, of course you will be unprepared and you will try to act like that. But of course, the entire industry was uh, was affected, so um, the film industry was stopped, and and people started uh, trying to be more frequent at home. But then the COVID nineteen uh, just uh, was in its adolescence, so it did not affect much. It did not cause much damage, and it did not cause much collateral effect to the entire civilization. So people just they basically were quite aware. They they started wearing masks, then they started wearing gloves, then they started to decrease a bit of contact. Of course, the um, movie industry was working, then the economy was functioning well. Until 
they understand, understand that China started to suffer with a wound. They were infected. They were just lay. They were just lay. I mean, they were they were completely uh, incapacitated. They discovered that the coronavirus can easily kill one. That means the disease is is actually not communicable. It's not contagious. The disease can be contagious, but not exactly through uh, air. It's not an airborne disease, it's a contact disease. So that means if you shake hands with someone or if you have a physical contact with someone, there is a huge possibility that you might transfer their particles. You might transfer the, uh, the virus toward them. So when Chinese uh, bacteriologists when Chinese virologists discovered this, they immediately spread the news. It was not a rumor and it was very important. Thankfully, we were finally able to understand that how did, how does this virus affect us. And with that, people started getting the norm of social distancing. Social distancing became today's norm. And people said that the ideal distance you can stay away from a person can be approximately six feet. With six feet uh, distance, now, airports started to shut down and the uh, people who had to head toward the different nations, they were allowed to do so and uh, and COVID-19, and COVID uh, people who had to, uh, in and out of the airports became much sanitized than before and there, were com- then there was complete sanitization, sanitization and the person was coming from another country, they were putting into a 14-day or a 7-day uh, <laughs> quarantine to make sure that the person is not having any symptoms to have regular checks on them. And after that, the person would be safely let go. So with these methods, everything became uh, quite vigilant. Now, the COVID-19 started becoming a bit more furious. Cases started increasing and death toll was very less. Comparatively, today, there are 2 million people infected. Out of that, only there will be 300,000 people who will die. And uh, China was, of course, at the top. And out of nowhere, out of the blue, Italy became at the second. That was an unknown reason. But then some uh, people, some people spread the rumor that nations which have most Chinese citizens can uh, have the possibility of having more, uh, more COVID-19 cases. But that is of course not at all accurate because we cannot uh, expect uh, we cannot expect some politics to be involved in COVID-19. If there are Chinese citizens, can't Chinese also be sanitized? Well, that is quite a joke. It's quite humorous, but. It's a complete fake news. So COVID-19 was very serious, take, seriously taken. So if any person was not wearing mask, or if even he would have the anomaly, or if he showed one of the symptoms, he would be quarantined immediately. And they would check if he's positive or negative for corona. If he's positive, that means he had the chance to live. Uh, but then he had to be in complete quarantine and have no contact whatsoever. Fluids will pass to his body and and fluids will be passed through his body through discretion, of course, and there will not be contact. There's a possibility, there's a complete 70% possibility that the person will live, and 30% that he might, he might succumb to this uh, deadly and lethal disease. So, COVID-19's impact, as I told, it uh, created a complete uh, malfeasance. But then, there is one nightmare, a one lethal, horrendous, deathless, dreadful nightmare that each virus or plague waits for an enduring nightmare that no one wants to look at a mutation now what is a mutation it's basically a term in virology which is a study of a virus uh, viruses that 
in mutation, a virus changes and in, in the sense of changing, of course, it becomes more lethal. In every single mutation, the virus becomes lethal. And there is a single mutation, the entire nation's economy is severely affected. And one of those mu- and mutations took place in the COVID-19 as well. The virus became airborne. I don't know, but then the airborne, thankfully, in the COVID-19 is, uh, is comparatively weak rather than other viruses in place. So this one, uh, but then still, just as it became airborne, the entire nation became uh, came into lockdown. Now, of course, at the first time when uh, COVID-19 was there, when uh, there was no mutation, people just shut down malls and uh, shut, uh, people wanted to just basically shut down malls and social gatherings and shops and, uh, and shops and other uh, public gatherings. Offices still function, of course, are under social distancing, but just as the mutation took place, the government enacted a full lockdown. They uh, enacted it for months, possibly for two months. So due to this, the only industry that su- successfully worked was the sanitation industry and along with that food service. So that means uh, industries that were hardly used, for example, like the like clothing, textiles, and or and more f- fewer resources. Uh, there were many uh, industries which failed to progress due to the COVID-19 because they required a lot of uh, labor. Uh, they required a lot of uh, uh, labor ship, and that was not available. That means the entire industry might fail. And along with that, of course, the mu- uh, the movie industry and the music industry also had a lot of trouble. But then we managed because we had the sh- uh, savings. Our saving savings and shares helped us in time. And due to this, industries tried to uh, try to gain their spot back. And when the uh, COVID and then they noticed that the COVID nineteen cases started to decrease. And uh, in China, they started to decrease a bit. And uh, of course, as just as the cases decreased. China tried to begin its economy once again. What did it basically, of course, hit? What did it hit? It immediately tried to uh, decrease the lock. It tried to decrease the rate of the lockdown, and which people could start and go to work. And then malls were going to be open, but then they did not open movie theaters or cinemas or some areas that uh, or some uh, leisure areas. They just basically opened places where uh, where there was productivity and money for China, not a leisure per place for violence. There was a lot of social gatherings and, and crowded places over there. And crowds were the same vicinity every nation was to avoid in order to, prog- in order to progress. Because co- if there are more gatherings once, once again, the COVID-19 cases would rapidly increase and then the entire nation would have more political problems, more, uh, more death cases and the entire COVID-19 would but the entire COVID-19 would succumb and kill the nation. So now, you will ask me that why are we, talk, why are we talking about the impact of COVID-19 on the world? Why am I talking about that the industry is going to fail? Why am I not talking about exactly what is the virus? What cells does it affect? How does the vaccine? That's because it's unknown. There were many predictions made that, 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 that there's going to be a virus in the, in the 20th, 21st century that will be very lethal. The world will survive, but it would uh, destroy the industry. Just like the plague of Justinian or the Great Bubonic Plague, it's going to be a bit less lethal than that because there were plagues that uh, there were plagues and viruses that killed 200 million people. And thankfully, there are possibly 500,000 death cases uh, in uh, the COVID-19. So we are trying to uh, decrease the level of COVID-19. There's a possibility that this might be 
a very uh, uh, big a very big catastrophe but it would be a manageable catastrophe and uh, of course history taught us another lesson which we should never uh, ignore because history always repeats the plague of justinian it, of course now due to the silk route and, and another uh, mapping and routes of the world in which uh, trading and bar and uh, trading and selling of goods began due to that of course that is the reason why uh plague started to produce because along with that germs also started to um to be uh connected and now presently the uh, now presently there's another very dominant nation very important nation very civilized very strong military that has succumbed to the covid-19 first it was china uh, first it was china then it was italy then it was spain then it was uh, there were so many regions that succumbed to it until there's one more left there's another nation that's the united states out of nowhere out of the blue after italy china, united states suffered a huge amount of cases and now that brazil followed and now in the top 5 india which is my nation my beloved nation it is also succumbed to it but government have done mistakes they have procured the lockdown at such a time when the nation was not even in the top 20 so that means we should have set up lockdown in such a time where the pandemic would be very serious so that we could defeat it at the exact time we must be prepared we must understand and we should have kept a mere lockdown at that time because government has to, uh, go- but we cannot blame the government it does so much for us there might be a bit mis- miscalculations and they ca- and they can and we civilians have to it is compulsory to be uh, to be thoughtful to our nation we have to accept it and uh, I suppose I do not have much to talk about the COVID-19 because I suppose it's of course a lethal virus. It has affected the industry severely, and but and humans are trying to gather the vaccine. But there's a possibility that this is one of the vaccines. So uh, sorry, this is one of the viruses that history is going to teach us. History always teaches us, and if we curse it, it will never forget, forgive us. Nevertheless, history has told us that. This is a, a virus that does not have any vaccine. There's a possibility. For example, we do not have a vaccine. We do not have medication for AIDS. So the best way to do it, the best way to deal with it, it is to uh, the best way to deal with this is to find the a vaccine that can cure HIV, which is of course a human immunodeficiency. So that means if there is no vaccine for a particular virus or infection, the best way to uh, deal with this is to fight it. That means. If this if this virus is not able at all, that means make sure social uh, distancing is there. If that within just one or two years, if you even follow it, that possibility that COVID nineteen will die. It won't have a vaccine. Will, I mean, it will just it will just succumb back to its own grave. It will never step out of it again. Just like uh, the Black Death or the Dancing Plague. I mean, literally that plague killed four hundred fifty, just four hundred fifty people. It might be a very big number, but then the way it died, that unorthodox method. They danced and died of exha- exhaustion. So history sometimes has given us such, uh, such uh, scary nightmares that we can never forget. And this COVID-19 is one of those nightmares in which we ourselves have shown the power that we are no less. That means science has helped us save millions of lives. Thank you, and I suppose you would have learned a lot concerning this lethal pandemic. Thank you and we'll meet once again.
गुड इवनिंग टू ऑल द स्पेक्टेटर्स वो आर लिसनिंग टू द फिफ्थ एपिसोड ऑफ द पॉडकास्ट ह्यूमन काइंड प्रोफेसी एंड ऑफकोर्स आई एम योर होस्ट रमन गोकिया एंड टूडे वी आर गोइंग टू बिगिन विद द फिफ्थ एपिसोड ऑफकोर्स नाउ बिफोर आई गोइंग टू द फिफ्थ एपिसोड आई एम गोइंग टू गिव यू एन इन साइट और एन ए ग्लिम्स ऑफ द फोर्थ एपिसोड ऑफकोर्स विच वॉज डीमिस्टिफाइंग द करोना वायरस now in this episode i describe the effect and impact of the covid-19 pandemic on the entire civilization that how we humans are dealing with it how the virologists are studying the virus with complete concentration and circumspect examination and of course they are keeping a uh, and of course now these days social, uh, social distancing and sanitation has been the norm because of course this was an uh, this was an unexpected pandemic and we uh, try to understand all the problems concerning the pandemic its mutation that how that how many nations have been affected by it and of course the entire world was stunned when uh, when a virus that that was as lethal as a plague took birth took genesis but now let's uh, stop with the inside of the coronavirus for we are done with that i gave you an entire brief fit in the fourth episode and i hope you enjoyed it now let's get to the fifth episode now this episode is going to be quite interesting as i said i'm going to cover all topics so the first one was nuclear physics the second one was theology the third one was astronomy and astronomical distances the fourth one was of course virology and understanding the uh, the impact of a virus so it was uh, basically not a, it was basically a topic talk rather than a, a, a rather than any uh, motive or a subject this one is going to be quite interesting it's and it's related to history modern history of humans and that is what i am going to be teaching today or i'm going to give you an insight of it i'm going to talk about world war 1 now i to first i talked about pandemics so, and now i'm going to talk about another catastrophe for the human kind and that is of course a war but there not just any war a war in which more than 10 nations are involved it's not a political mess it's not a menace which in which uh, nations are trying to fight it's a literal war in which people are dying assassinations executions and along with that shootouts genocides everything is taking place now i'm going to take a bit of time uh, in doing this now for, of course i'm going to go with the world war 1 first so we're going to do a lot of episodes concerning wars i'm going to talk about world war 1 world war 2 so we are going to first begin with world war 1 world war 1 was an extremely lethal uh, war that is one of the most deadliest and the strongest wars that ever took place because at this time many new weaponry was uh, introduced such as the u boats and along with that fighter jets and many other uh, weapons so the world war 1 began in 1914 and ended in 1918 so it was just a four year long war but in those four enduring years were filled with, with filled with an agglomeration of hatred and complete uh, devastation there were nations who actually uh, abhorred other nations i mean of course that means you know the word abhor it's such a strong word for the and it's a synonym for the word hate which we can understand that abhor means that due to a due to just a political game two nations have annoyed and devastated each other so now we are going to understand the exact reason why world war 1 took place there are basically two reasons Now the second reason which I'm going to tell is going to be the dominant reason. In fact, it's the only reason possibly. And the first reason which I'm going uh, and the first reason which I'm going to tell it, you people, everyone might think that this is not the reason. But then, 
the the political problems and hatred between two nations is the first reason the first reason of course the franco prussian war now many of you will not be familiar with the word franco prussian war frank actually franco means french and prussian means german and war is what you know that means a war between french and the germans this war began in 19, in 1870 and ended in 1871 it was just a one year long political and military conflict between these two nations in, during the early 20th century the very early uh, 20th century which was of course the 1910 1907 or years like that there were na- uh, nations like britain the united states germany and france these were dominant industrial giants but then two of these nations were not agree uh, agreeing against each other and that was of course uh, france and germany they uh, since the, the franco prussian war there had not been good uh, there had not been good connections or much peace uh, with france and germany so if uh, france did even a small move that might make germany uh, reconcile or make it envy or possibly it might anger germany that france has done such a scandal they would consider a small mistake or something quite uh, uh, something that's not too dominant or too serious to talk about as a scandal so that means for example if one uh, german soldier was accidentally shot they would consider that as a political problem and they would and they would completely fight against it in uh, against france so that means they despise each other that much so we're going to understand but now that's not much to talk about what i'm going to talk about literally is going to be the second reason that's a much bigger reason all of you are familiar with it it was of course the assassination of archduke franz ferdinand and his wife sofia uh, or sophie in sarajevo in the province of bosnia in austria hungary now archduke franz ferdinand was the heir to the austrian throne and uh, in in april 1914 he of course in in the morning he went for a for a, a wedding deception deception with his wife in sarajevo which was which is a which is a populated and big famous city which is of course situated in the province of bosnia in austria hungary now at that time austria and hungary were two different were not two different nations they were all together Uh, except that after world war 1 they were all uh, they both, that one nation was divided into two austria and hungary so austria hungary uh, uh, so heir to the austrian throne was, went uh, with his wife for a wedding reception in sarajevo and uh, until there was a car bomb thrown on the car but thankfully the uh, uh, but actually uh, there was security there was security for them of course the car bomb was thrown on the car but then it bounced off the car and the security uh, kicked the bomb as far as they could so there was a lot of damage that took place so uh, about this of course it was talked so they were safely and very uh, uh, in, with complete protection they were taken inside the reception hall and then they said everyone to be careful because uh, there were many injuries that took place so the archduke was uh, was given special care there was a, there was more military order thinking that there could be an assassination and they were right but then the security was not was not enough for a gunshot to be shot through both of their uh, both the entire couple that means both of the color, uh, both the uh, both of the uh, wife and the husband would die though there will be a lot of security so in the evening later uh, they came back uh, their reception was over and they were just going to go home until there were two sh- uh, and then until there were two shots fired by a 17 year 
by a 19 year old man named Gavrilo Princip actually I'm unaware of the fact that uh, what age is he 17 18 or 19 but there's a huge probability that he's between these two three he probably be 18 I suppose so Gavrilo Princip who was a 17 year old Serbian uh, Serbian anarchist who was actually an assassin and an anarchist for the nation of Serbia now serbia at that time of course today serbia is a famous cultural nation but at that time it was an uh, it was like an underdog nation that means it was weak compared to uh, austria hungary austria hungary at that time was a dominant industrial giant and serbia was like working under it uh, they were not allies they were literally enemies but serbia was completely man uh, nourished compared to uh, austria hungary so they were angry at the way that austria hungary treated the serbs and due to this gavrilo princip assassinated both uh, the archduke along with his wife now when he shot uh, he shot first at sofia uh, sophie and sophie died instantly at that moment so she fell and she passed away just beside the car and archduke uh, and archduke transferred and as soon as he was shot gavrilo princip was all, uh, was Uh, people run toward Gavrilo Princip and grabbed him, com- uh, grabbed him ruthlessly and pulled him back. And then after that, there was another force that took the, uh, the Archduke and Sophie to the way to hospital. Actually, that they did not know if uh, Sophie was alive. And uh, and while they were going on the way to the uh, hospital, Sophie's heart. Uh, um, actually, Sophie's body was not taken because they noticed that there was no pulse. Of course, she had she had died. But then Archduke did have pulse. There was faint beating, so he took uh, him to the hospital immediately. While uh, going to the hospital, the doctor found out that his pulse, that uh, he, uh, his had gone flatline, flatline, flatline. He was dead. And right after that, the uh, Gavrilo Princip, uh, Princip was sentenced to life imprisonment in the in an in an Austrian-Hungarian um, prison, and he died. And he lived there for eight years until he. died on the day uh, on the year where uh, world war 1 got over so that means just one just an assassination of two innocent people led to an entire global conflict now we are going to understand that how actually did, did this become how did uh, different uh, nations try to mobilize their armies how were political negoci- negotiations disrupted and we're going to understand all of that very intuitively so first we have to understand that what was the problem now that of the assassination the entire nation was shocked with the assassination and they blamed serbia for this now what are you going to listen in right now is actually the the first um, the first beginning of the war that first uh, european nation started mobilizing the army so we're going to so that's what i'm going to tell so austria hungary was shocked with the news they blamed serbia for this and austria hungary uh, actually uh, austria hungary announced war against serbia and uh, russia and serbia were very good allies so the tsar nicholas ii of russia uh, stepped up and pledged to save uh, to save serbia because it was a very friendly nation to him and austria hungary was not a much of a friendly nation they were not allies so of course due to this uh, there were two people there were two sides in this war the axis powers and the allies the axis powers were the ones who supported germany whereas the uh, the allies supported britain and france and uh, so we are going to understand that who were the first that actually uh, came in the war that means of course so russia pledged 
to uh, help and uh, guard Serbia. So, of course, in, invariably, Austria-Hungary uh, pledged to attack Russia and Serbia. And up until France also came. France and Russia were great allies. So, they both mobilized again. Now, Austria-Hungary was against three nations. Again, now let's draw the cards. A fourth one steps in. Great Britain, a great power. It was not that good. It was, uh, it was, of course, impressive in its military. But then the British did, were reluctant to enter any war because they were quite friendly and peace-loving people. So, of course, they entered the war. But then still they had to because they, were, they had France as a great ally along with Russia. Four nations against one big nation. Now, how, how uh, was Austria-Hungary to beat the odds? Germany stepped up. Austria-Hungary and Germany were very good allies. And, of course... I'm going to go get to the the dictator of of, uh, of the World War One in uh, Germany, which was Kaiser Wilhelm II. Kaiser Wilhelm II was a ruthless dictator who had rule, uh, rule, who had begun his rule over Germany as a Kaiser since 1888. And then in 1914, he decided to uh, help Austria-Hungary and uh, and two dominant nations versus four quintessential nations. Now, how would there to be uh, beaten the odds? And that wasn't enough. Another nation stepped in. Ottoman Empire. They pledged. Ottoman Empire, actually, now many people are not familiar with what exactly was the Ottoman Empire. You can just assume it, Turkey. Turkey is, at that time, uh, we, at that time, Ottoman citizens were called Turks. They were not called Turkish people. They were called Turks. And at that time, Turkey was a very unfamiliar word for describing the Ottoman Empire because at that time they were still an empire so was Russia Russia was not called just Russia it was a Russian Empire and it was and uh, Turkey was Ottoman Empire so Ottoman Empire Austria Hungary and in uh, Germany versus Great Britain France Serbia and Russia and if that wasn't enough as well uh, Germany itself began the war very easily with just a few days they conquered Belgium and Belgium was a was a, a very neutral nation, but then it was one of the suff- uh, one of the uh, nations who suffered. And in this war, Spain, Portugal, uh, Sweden, Norway, all these nations uh, nations uh, uh, stayed neutral. And uh, of course, it was uh, like a war in which most of European nations were involved. And Bulgaria went toward the um, Bulgaria stepped toward the Allies. Chi- uh, China went toward actually Bulgaria stepped toward. Uh, aid to the Axis powers, then to the Allies, China went, and then after Italy joined the uh, Axis powers as well. So it looked like they were equal because now now the Allies were not getting enough supporters. But they were still strong. I mean, there was uh, Russia, there was Russia, there was Germany, there was, sorry, there was Russia, there was Great Britain, then around that there was France, and China had uh, come in too, and there were other nations who tried to help also. But then the Axis powers turned out to be a very strong enemy. Now, in this war, there were many, many weapon, weaponry that was introduced. Of course, there was introdu- uh, introduced U-boats, which is a very strong, um, which is a small but uh, very strong um, submarine, which launched torpedoes and it could attack many naval ships. And along with that, many fighter jets uh, were in- involved too. And uh, there were many great uh, fighters who were involved in the brawl, in that brawl for air, for aviation fighting. And along with that, poison gas was introduced as well. 
and uh, along with poison gas, machine guns was also introduced. So there were many weapons that was introduced. So of course, Britain and uh, so the first thing Germany did was it attacked France, but then uh, it attacked France, it attacked Britain, it simultaneously it attacked many nations. Now. Now I'm not going to give specific insight about the war because in the podcast I'm actually basically dis- uh, describing the information concerning uh, uh, the war. But then I'm going to talk about something quite interesting today. Have all of you heard of the uh, man named uh, Polo Ke- Coelho? I mean I've not heard much. I I heard a lot about him. He's a very famed. Uh, he was a very famed uh, author, and he wrote many books. Now one of his books was Mata Hari. Mata Hari, I do not know who is she, but actually I did not know who is she until I did not read the book. I read about her in an article. Uh, Mata Hari plays a key role in this uh, World War One. Mata Hari was uh, a retired, uh, uh, was a retired. Uh, uh, Mata Hari was a retired dancer who lived, whose whose home uh, country was of course near. Uh, Netherlands. So she was from Netherlands, and uh, she uh, she retired as a stage actress and uh, a dancer. So then after that she became a spy for France. Then she she started uh, gathering intel on the Axis powers. But then she uh, she became a double spy. She took jo- double job and, and became uh, an ally, and became a, a spy for Germany uh, as well. And started gathering complete confidential intel intel concerning the war. So of course, French got to know about this. So they sentenced her to die in a firing squad, and she died of a very uh, she died of death that was quite painful because in firing squad they shoot you to, uh, to death. But then still, she uh, refused to wear a blindfold and just she that's it. She accepted her death. Now Mata Hari was quite of an influential woman, and peculiarly she became one of the most infamous spies in World War One. Now, what I'm going to discuss about right now, once again, is going to be the battle at sea. I talk, I'm going to talk about army, but then first I'd like to talk about the navy. That that were the great British, uh, were the great British naval men, were the great British naval men in comparison stronger than the great Germany. Two nations. Now, of course. Britain was a much stronger navy because in navy Britain was very very dominant. They were very strong, they were very capable, and they were quite in quite experienced. Germany was not much at uh, much at uh, naval battles, but then still they had a huge fleet. And then the Kaiser attacked. Uh, Kaiser said that in the Battle of Nottingham, they were they were going to go into the British waters and attack. And attack Britain with ease. So, but then, uh, of course, in this term, in this war, in the war at sea, both of them paid equal prices. Germany had the stronger fleet, and Britain had the had the stronger weaponry. So, both of them equally suffered um, damages. There were equal amount of casualties. There, there were thousands of people who died in the war. There were many casualties. Now, this one now, and what about the poison gas? The evolution of the poison gas began began when the Battle of of Ypres in Belgium, in uh, actually the second Battle of Ypres in Belgium, there was a weapon used. It was a very lethal weapon. It was used in uh, used uh, released from artillery shells. 
it was of course the poison gas a chlorine gas that devoured people it blissed it uh, it made the people overcome that gas uh, all the soldiers who were there in the battlefield they were overcome by the gas those who were far away from uh, uh, the german forces they were able to save their lives whereas the rest just passed out they fainted and died they died a choking slow death but that was not enough actually uh, learning from the german the french also introduced another poisonous gas phosgene phosgene is a poisonous element uh, of course it's con- and the french had uh, discovered that element french chemists discovered that element and converted it into a gaseous form and made bombs out of it so of course and gases were released so in this way that and due to this introduction of gas masks of course was there but there was another another very very strong poison gas it was an evolution i mean literally if you can if you uh, if you were in a chamber of that uh, of that particular area if you were in a chamber where there was that uh, that poisonous gas released then you then even wearing an an, an oxygen mask even wearing a gas mask you will succumb to that you will notice that your skin will blister horribly blister and if your eyes are not covered oh lord you will be blinded it was the mustard gas mustard gas is a name that is too abhorred to hear to even listen to uh, the word mustard gas it makes us hated be abhor such a lethal and such a, a, such a uh, deadly and fearing gas because the gas actually in reality is so deadly that it blisters your skin it blinds you and it's made and it's sulfur and hydrogen gas is used instead of sulfur because according to chemists hydrogen gas can uh, hydrogen gas is a gas that can uh, create an effect on the gas mask and sulfur gas cannot so along with chlorine and phosgene composition hydrogen was added instead of sulfur and made it a lethal chemical composition of a fearing gas so due to this a lot of british french uh, soldiers uh, had passed away but and but now let's talk about the great glorious war at air now there was if there was any glory any legendary uh, any legendary power in this war it was neither in the land there were bloody guns and artillery and artillery uh, shells and rifles and poison gas at the battlefield there were torpedoes there were there were torpedoes there were frigates and along with that there were there were air, there were aircraft carriers in uh, the navy but then if there was any glory it was in the air the na- the, the air force of nations now in the now of the allies didn't, they were not uh, extremely skilled at the uh, particular task of uh, aviation of course they because the troop was at uh, their uh, flights was but then they had many skilled aircrafts so since germany tried to build uh, air attack uh, they started building uh, what is known as a machine gun a machine gun single uh, single seated aircraft that means in the in an aircraft uh, if you were in 1915 or between 1914 and 1918 you will notice that the aircraft in which you're supposed to sit in attack uh, any force like no wonder no matter if it's austria hungarian ottoman british it does not matter whatever it is you you have to understand that 
that no matter what forces it, you're sitting on a flimsy and quite of an uncomfortable, uh, an uncomfortable, uh, uh, uncomfortable plane. So that airplane which you're sitting on, it's very small. So it has a machine gun. So along with flying, you have to even control the machine gun. And if you're shot, I mean literally, if you're shot, that is bad news for you. You will die because the, because at that time parachutes were not a thing. People did not know how to use a parachute with a flight, how to eject seats, because that sort of uh, science gears were not present at that time. So, unfortunately, we they did not know how to set up a parachute. So, remember this. Um, there, were, um, there were many people who died. Actually, most of the aviation soldiers in Air Force uh, and Air Force militants who worked for the uh, Air Force of their particular allies slash Axis powers, they mainly were, uh, they mainly died if they, uh, they were possibly uh, after five or seven hits. But the maximum, but the minimum were three or two. Or sometimes you couldn't even shoot; you might die yourself. But then people managed to save their asses people managed to uh, save themselves so they of course they descended back the short one they descended back and then of that saved their lives many many soldiers and militants saved their lives because because they allowed to do that you you don't need to sacrifice yourself at that time that was the law so there was uh, so there were many great uh, so there were actually many many uh, many great uh, uh, air force militants like uh, Eddie Dickenbaker from uh, uh, from the United States and Billy Bishop from uh, Canada, uh, and these two were uh, quite famous uh, Air Force militants who shot 50 or 60 planes. But there was this one man who shot the most, most airplanes and killed the most militants. Unfortunately, he was from the Axis power. His name was Manfred von Richthofen. Manfred von Richthofen was an Air Force militant who worked for Germany and. Kaiser Wilhelm II himself personally, and, uh, personally met him and, congr- and, co- and uh, thanked him for his service toward uh, his nation. Uh, uh, because Manfred von Richofen died. Actually, he died, but then before his death, he had killed almost, he shot down almost 80 a- a- Allied planes. That means he killed almost 80 militants, which were, of course, in plane. So, if you compare to it, that was a very big uh, loss for the Allies. Until he was just 26 or 27, until one uh, British, until one French, um, French shot, uh, until one French Air Force militant shot his plane, and then he died. So, of course, there were many greats in the war, and all of them uh, succumbed to death. Now, now you might think that I'm completely done. I talked about. Matahari, the great spy. I talked about the navy. I talked about the air force. I talked about everything, but I did not talk about much. What I'm going to talk about right now is what is going to completely mesmerize you. This nation is what you've been waiting for. That strong, that very strong, dominant nation, which today is the superior power in military. That is, of course, the United States. The United States at that time was a successful nation, of course, with peace and prosperity. In 1914, the successor of uh, the successor of Woodrow Wilson, who was the first Democrat president in the 20th century, he was a very aspiring president. In 1914, he introduced Flag Day in the United States, which still today is sub- uh, celebrated with complete gusto and happiness. So, of course, Woodrow Wilson was not interested in the war. 
until he was forced to there was a great ship there was a uh, ship that was uh, a bit sm- uh, uh, that was smaller than the titanic of course but it was quite big it was a big sh- uh, big passenger ship the lusitania the artemis lusitania was uh, the artemis lusitania was actually uh, a pas- a british passenger ship that sailed to the new- uh, bay of new york and after that it was to return back to britain and up until in 1915 a german u boat torpedoed the sh- ship and the ship uh, sank with every single person dead with ju- within just 18 minutes now how can you set up lifeboats or even save lives within just a matter of 18 minutes now actually uh, when and then pres- and then there were 128 americans as well all the 2000 um, all the 1500 or more than 1500 so civilians had died along with 128 americans so concerning the demise of 128 americans woodrow wilson wrote small uh, woodrow wilson wrote notes warning notes that uh, that you sh- uh, wrote uh, warning notes that you cannot that you attacked our fleet you attacked our civilians if you do that again we will at- uh, we will attack you so they uh, sent a warning note to uh, germany to not do it so germany uh, answered that uh, we will un- uh, we will uh, the next time we torpedo a ship we will give you a warning so of course if if they give a warning it might seem uh, quite peculiar but then they should give a warning if they give a warning then of course the fleet can be moved away and then after germany can be stopped in such a way us fleet can be spared, uh, sent to stop it but then not just that there were three cargo ships too that were torpedoed and they were all american due to this woodrow wilson could no longer accept he launched he uh, sent america into world war 1 and just after that right after uh, uh, woodrow wilson announced war against war against uh, germany germany uh, 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 germany colonized and assembled its army to attack united states uh, to attack united states as soon as it comes so of course there were many uh, wars that took place between united states and uh, G- germany as well and austria hungary too wanted to uh, show that I wanted to attack the Un- Americans but there was this one glorious fleet there was this one glorious re- regiment of U- the Americans that no one expected at a time when slavery was to be abolished the blacks were to be repudiated one f- uh, regiment who was of uh, one very uh, one reg- regiment who suffered uh, and engulfed a lot of uh, a lot of racism that was of course the blacks the african americans uh, in, in the united states were, were thought of not bringing them to the war so if anyone wanted to enlist in the uh, war a black would not was not mainly allowed and they, and they were very hardly allowed so if, if they were allowed they were ma- mainly given the job for labor ship and cooks but when uh, but then until the us senate agreed to let the africans come they sent them in the 306 regiment and they were given uh, the uh, gun hell fighters and many pseudonyms why because they were first americans who reached near the uh, this near uh, the, they were the first americans who reached the, the occupied region of france that means when germany occupied some and attacked some regions of france they were the first to reach there and they gave up a great fight and bomb against the uh, germans and killed many german soldiers now of course in this way this showed a glory this showed a glory towards the towards the blacks that that the blacks and this was one of the way that 
that uh, African Americans could abolish racism, but still did not work much. But still they were respected a lot. So now, I suppose, now I'm going to come to the end of this part. I'm going to tell you that what happened after the war. The, the, actually what happened was all the Axis powers, all the Axis powers fell like a house of cards. Bulgaria surrendered, uh, uh, along with that Ottoman, uh, Ottoman Empire surrendered, Austria-Hungary surrendered, and at last Germany, uh, Germany surrendered. The Kaiser Wilhelm II was very unpopular in his nation, so of course the Germans were very angry with him. Riots um, in Berlin, there were riots that, uh, there were riots against him, riots flared against him in Germany, of course in Berlin, and in and along with that, there was a military. There was a lot of. Along with riots, there were many mutinous that. There were many mutinous who went against him. Kaiser, fearing for his life, of course, he ran away and fled to the Netherlands. And after that, of course, Germany surrendered. And there was a lot to a uh, lot of cost to be paid by Germany. And along with that, there was a Treaty of Versailles. Now, this was a treaty that was quite peaceful, in which all the nations agreed. To know that no global uh, conflict should go with them. This was the peace. This is known as the, uh, of course, this was known as uh, what is what we can call, call the Treaty of Versailles. There were, of course, the Premier of France, Georges Clemenceau, uh, David Lloyd George, who was the pre- who was the Prime Minister of Britain at that time, the Prime Minister of Ita- uh, of Italy, Emma- um, Vittorio Emmanuel Orlando, the President of the United States, Will, uh, Woodrow Wilson, Will Jim and. Uh, Germany was not in much of a state to talk about, and uh, because they were already angry with their collapse, they thought they'd win, but they did not. They lost. Both the losers and the winners uh, of the war suffered in the war's aftermath. And uh, but then I forgot to tell you one more thing: the Russian Revolution. Between all of this, between all of this, there was another process that took place. Russia was. The Russian, uh, entire Russian humanity was angry with Tsar Nicholas II and his government because they had, because of them, there were so many Russian lives that were lost. And due to this, the Tsar was actually overthrown in 1917. And after he was overthrown, his entire, uh, after he was of course overthrown, he was a, there was a completely new, there was a completely new, um, government that was established by Alexander Kerensky, but the Kerensky government was com- was comparatively very, very weak uh, than the Bolshevik community. There was another political party. Bolshevik community ri- rose to the power and they were much, much stronger than the uh, than Kerensky's government. They, threw, uh, they overthrew Kerensky from power and the leader of the Bolshevik party was, of course, the father of communism. Vladimir Ilyich Lenin. He's the father of the Russian Revolution. He's the father of Russia. He's, in fact, the, uh, the first dictator of Russia and the father of communism. Because of him, because of him, the Communist Party and the Communist regime took birth. So, first thing, the first thing he ever, uh, did was he signed an armistice with Germany and made sure that uh, Russia would stay out of the war. After staying out of the uh, condemned and confounded war, Germany tried to heal its. Uh, uh, Germany tried to heal his, uh, uh, his nation and uh, perform what is known as internal improvements. 
and of course he was the strongest party and in 1922 he took power of in the Soviet Union actually he converted the Russian uh, empire into Soviet Union in which uh, there were four nations that added with that came in contact with him and they became a supreme power Latvia Lithuania Estonia Liechtenstein these four nations combined with Russia and became the Soviet Union which was uh, in uh, which was the United Socialist Soviet Union USSR now and with that i suppose i come to an end this was quite of a long episode that we had today that it's going to be 37 or probably 36 minutes and i hope you enjoyed all of this now our next episode will be quite more intuitive we're going to talk about uh well it's i'm going to keep it i'm going to keep it a mystery of course because my next episode is always a mystery it's a desire it's a bizarre mystery and i hope you enjoyed thank you and kindly do and kindly do enjoy comment me or um, tell me anything my uh, about my bot- podcast or if you would like if or if you would like me to emphasize on any of your favorite episode of, of on your favorite topics or anything about anything you want me to talk about you, uh, i will of, of course take that into consideration thank you